I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Lucy Kellaway's podcast from the Financial Times. What is the worst motivational memo ever written? Given that this is a wretched literary genre in which almost every example is lamentable, to find the very worst is a tall order. Yet last week, the FT published what seemed a sublimely bad memo written by a Royal Dutch Shell manager and asked readers if this could deserve the title. His memo is crass, poorly punctuated, and most of it wasn't even written by its author, David Greer. He had lifted the words of General Patton with no attribution and clumsily adapted them to spur on his team of recalcitrant pipeline engineers. But does his memo really deserve to be named the worst ever? The verdict from visitors to FT.com is that yes, it does, just. I don't agree. Each time I look at it, I like it more. Not only is it not the worst motivational email ever written, it's actually one of the better ones. To prove my point, I'm comparing it with another leaked email I received last week. This one was written by Jim Quigley, the new global chief executive of Deloitte, and dispatched to all staff on his first day in the new job. In order to establish which of the two is worst, I've chosen four objective criteria. The first is clarity. On that score, the Shell memo does well. Lead me, follow me, or get out of my way, Greer says, which is not terribly hard to fathom. The reason the language is so clear is doubtless the influence of Patton, who came from an age in which people still knew how to express themselves clearly. Now consider the style of the Deloitte memo. Our identity reinforces the shared vision of our member firms, it says. This is so profoundly meaningless that I doubted if its author could tell me what he meant by it. The next criterion is that the boss must sound as if he's on the same planet as the people he's trying to motivate. Again, high marks to Greer. He refers to mutterings and bad body language of staff at a recent meeting. In other words, he's aware that morale is bad and isn't frightened to discuss it. Meanwhile, at Deloitte, the new chief is oozing platitudes as to the state of the company. I have never been more proud of who we are. We strengthen our brand every day as we deliver value to our clients. Next, a good motivational message must consider what it is that keeps employees in their jobs. Greer cites three reasons. To earn a decent living for yourself and your loved ones, self-respect and desire for success. This had me cheering, even though the phrase loved ones is not one of my favourites. Most managers like to believe that workers are there for love of the company, or worse, for passion towards the brand. Money and other basics tend to get overlooked. Over at Deloitte, matters are rather more intangible. As our brand strengthens, the commitment we have to each other also in increases, Quigley says mysteriously. The final standard for judging a motivational memo is by the tools it deploys. In theory, managers can choose between stick and carrot, 
although most shun sticks through some misplaced fear that precious self-esteem will be damaged. Greer has no such inhibitions and sensibly uses both. His carrot is a little flaccid, though arguably no more flaccid than most. Pipeliners and engineers love to fight and win traditionally, he says. I would beg to differ. Pipeliners surely love to build pipes at a safe, durable, on time and on budget. His sticks are better. I despise cowards, he says, warning those who don't comply to get out of my way. This is not terribly civil, but it makes him sound like a man who means it. By contrast, here is another helping of Mush from Deloitte. We will take our performance to the next level, provided we move forward collaboratively as a team. Quigley doesn't sound as if he means it. He sounds as if he's had a partial lobotomy. Though I admire the style of Greer, I still don't expect his exhortations will have any of his deviant engineers working any harder. This is because motivation is the hardest of all managerial tasks, and it's fanciful to expect any memo, no matter how well-crafted, to make much difference. So wouldn't it be better to scrap them altogether? No, because their true purpose isn't motivation. It's to remind staff that the boss is in charge, that he knows what he's doing, and that he's attempting to improve things and is expecting a little help. And so which of these two men is in control? The man who has adapted the uniform of general pattern, or the man who wraps himself in the obscurity of management talk with all its bland nonsense about celebrating, taking journeys together, and the powerful tapestry that is our brand. There is no contest. Does this then mean that Quigley's is the worst motivational email ever? Alas, no. The saddest thing about his words is not that they're bad in the corporate scheme of things. They're simply average. Thank you for listening. To read Lucy Kellaway's columns online, please visit www.ft.com forward slash Kellaway.